What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome to Done and Done. I'm Alicia, your hostess on this podcast journey, all things Dominic Dunn, where nothing is linear and everything is connected. Investigators, it is a double drop this week on Done and Done as we are about to weave our man Dominic into the Truman Capote episodes throughout the coming arc of the remainder of our essential swans, our high society swans, and the places Truman goes. Everything really does connect in this tiny little bonus this week. I'm bringing you another Patreon Not Done Yet episode. This is actually Not Done Yet number three. This podcast journey really does connect everything. I've been waiting and waiting and waiting to tell you all this story for the longest time where it kind of fits coming in. It really does all loop through from recording this forever ago to what's coming within the next few weeks. I have officially determined there's just no linear way to reveal the layers of Dominic Dunn and his investigation. So Dunn and Dunn is just going to best follow the investigation where it leads. Today, it is a brief story about our man Nick in 1947, connecting to future up-and-comer episode profiles, Gore Vidal and Anais Neen, and then to Dominic's son, actor Griffin Dunn. There's a lot packed in to this very tiny episode in our double drop this week. Let's investigate. Hey, investigators, Alicia here. Holy cats. Today I have a wonderful story that involves Dominic Dunn's early days and the evolving legend around it. And well, and Ice Neen, the famous diarist, Dunn will name drop and recollect this one too. Oh, and Gore Vidal. So we've heard about Dominic in this season as a nine-year-old kid. We've heard about him in his 30s coming back to Hollywood, but there is a wonderful little excerpt that I want y'all to hear and know about. This is coming from The Way We Lived Then. And let's talk about Dominic uh, in his college years for a moment. Uh, again, sourcing this directly from him because it's such a delightful, delightful story. In 1947, between my sophomore and junior years at Williams, I talked to my mother into letting me spend the summer in Guatemala ostensibly to learn Spanish, but I ended up spending most of my time at the country villa in Antigua, an hour outside of Guatemala City, the villa belonging to a young writer, Gore Vidal. Gore was already famous for his novel Willowa and was about to be more famous with his second novel, The City and the Pillar. I was traveling that summer with a friend, Andre Devendorf, who was a sophomore at Wesleyan University, whom I had met in the Army, at Camp Blanding, Florida, after returning from overseas. In retrospect, Dominic writes, 
Andre Devendorf reminded me of Sebastian Flight in Brideshead Revisited. He was a glamorous young man from a rich Venezuelan Catholic family who lived in New York, Long Island, and Miami. Through Andre, I began to be invited to the New York debutante parties where he was a popular figure. My father had disliked him, but nothing was ever said. Andre and Gore had known each other in East Hampton, Long Island, where both of their fathers had summer houses and a chance passing on the street outside the University of Guatemala on the second day of the summer term changed our plans for the entire summer. Gore's other house guest was the noted and exotic diarist Anais Neen, more than twice our age, who wore her red hair and braids entwined in brightly colored yarn, magenta and lavender shawls, and the kind of jewelry made by artists in Greenwich Village. The sophistication of Gore and Anais thrilled me. She talked openly with details about her love affair with Henry Miller, the subject of which was later made into a film. I had not read her books or even heard of her until then, but her theatricality utterly fascinated me. I loved listening to her stories. One night there was an episode in a neighbor's swimming pool. Here's where it gets good, y'all. Anais was doing a backstroke, and I was doing a breaststroke over her, and no one had on any clothes. I won't go into details, but subsequently, she autographed her book, Children of the Albatross, to me in the summer. This is what the autograph says, y'all. For Nick, will you float me home, Anais? I treasure it still. Committed though as I was, I was also a natural-born starfucker even then, before I'd ever heard the term. We went on to Acapulco, which was still a sleepy fishing village with Anais, where a younger fellow than I caught her eye, and I was history. It was my first brush with literary celebrity and what I thought was the literary life. I loved it. I saw Anais on and off through the years, usually in bizarre artistic circumstances. Once I happened to pass by as she was sitting in the window of a shop in Greenwich Village, dressed as a gypsy fortune teller with her hands on a large crystal ball as part of an experimental movie a young male friend of hers was directing. Our eyes met. She winked in recognition, then went right back into her gypsy character. I know we wouldn't say gypsy anymore, y'all. I'm sorry for that. I'm reading it like Dunn wrote it. Finally, just before the end of her life, she came to my office in Beverly Hills to meet my son Griffin, still then in his teens, who was transfixed by her published diaries. Now, this is where I'm going to stop reading for just a second, because hearing Dominic talk about this is so much more effective, okay? So he does have a little bit of an interview where he talks about years later, this would be 1977, Dominic's son Griffin Dunn tells, hey dad, you're never going to believe it. I'm reading the most amazing thing. It is the diary of this lady named Anais Neen. And Dominic Dunn is like, you know, I, I knew her. I had an affair with her. And Griffin's like, dad, you were totally never that cool. And Griffin doesn't believe Dominic. 
So Dominic, who's in Hollywood at this time, calls Christopher Isherwood, mutual friend. Hey, do you know where Anais lives now? Christopher Isherwood lets Dunn know that Anais is dying. And, you know, not like she's sick. She's really, really ill. And Christopher Isherwood will give Dunn her number and Dunn will call her Anais and say, my son, he's such a fan. Is there any way that we could come see you? And Anais says, no. And Dunn says, I didn't press the issue. But the next day, Anais Neen calls Dominic Dunn back and says, can I come to see you? And Dominic says, sure. So Anais comes to Dominic's office and she walks in just like he first met her with red braids in her hair and knitted yarns wound into her braids with raspberry colors and little ribbons and little trinkets. And Anais comes into his office and Griffin naturally is there and she opens the door and she is old. She's on a walker. Here she has this red wig on. She's suffering from cancer and the braids and the yarns in her hair. And Dominic is so touched. She did that for me. And Anais sees Griffin Dunn. And Dominic's kind of proud. He's like, it's a good looking son I have. And he sure likes the ladies. But Anais sees him. And she's always like the young guys. So Dunn says it's the most remarkable thing that he's ever seen. She puts away her walker. She pulls herself up, grows taller, walks over to Griffin Dunn and says, you are the same age your father was when I knew him. Uh, Dunn says that we were all crying and Anais Neen will pass away two weeks later. I love that story. I love every part of that story. I will love Dominic Dunn talking about any part of his story and all the scraps of info. Uh, I know this was a tiny little Dunn drop because I wasn't done yet with that little bit about Nick's college experience and having an affair at with Anais Neen. Can y'all believe that? Okay, I am going to go ahead and just finish what Nick writes about it. Uh, let's see, go back to my son Griffin, who is then in his teens, who is transfixed by her published diaries. He disbelieved my bragging that I had known her when I was only a few years older than he. She had cancer and was using a walker, had lost her hair and was wearing a red wig braided with brightly colored yarn, just as she had worn her hair in the swimming pool back in 1947. When she saw Griffin, who was very good looking, something extraordinary happened to her. For an instant, she ceased to be old. Leaving her walker behind, she walked over to him and said, You're the same age as your father when I first met him. Y'all, I just love that story. Uh, Dominic, total star fucker, maybe has an affairette with Anais Neen at some point in 1947 back in his Wild and woolly college Guatemala days. He actually did not learn any Spanish. They never went back to Guatemala University. And that's where we're going to end. Not done yet for today. Because I think that story's done for now. Thanks, y'all, for tuning in and listening. Being awesome. We'll talk soon. We have another not done yet coming up this week as well about the beaches of Malibu. So if you're having the winter doldrums, get out your... Get out your bathing suits and your suntan oil or your sunscreen, I guess, these days. Big love. Have a tremendous week. Talk soon. Oh, 
Stay curious. Keep on investigating too. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Done and Done podcast, a Hemlock Creatives production. You can email us at doneanddone at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram at doneanddonepodcast. For further information about our episodes or sources, you can find us online at www.doneanddone.com. See you next week, friends.